Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. Hello, everyone. Today I have with me my IFS here, Heidi Rodriguez. Uh, Heidi, please introduce yourself in whatever way feels most authentic to you. Hi, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Kaidi Rodriguez, and I'm a psychotherapist and a writer. So I uh, have my practice, Serenity Wellness and Therapist, Serenity Wellness and Therapy Services, where I work with people that identify as anxious perfectionists and stressed out high achievers. Do we know any of those, Tasha? <laughs> Sitting right here looking at me. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, I'm also a writer. I've been writing since childhood. And uh, that's why I'm here to talk about some of my writing endeavors. So glad that you're here. I want to jump into talking about you have this really beautiful blog. When did you start blogging? And like, what was your your maybe your motivation when you started? Sure. I actually started blog the blog earlier this year. So I haven't been blogging for long, but I started earlier this year and the very first post was called Angry Black Woman. I don't know if you saw that, uh, but what that was, again, is just an outpour of my thoughts and emotions. And I shared it with my therapist that was actually written probably a year and a half ago. And so I shared it with my therapist and she said, you need to put this out there. And it's very vulnerable. It's about my, my dating experiences and my love life and kind of sexual sexuality throughout my womanhood. So, but she said, you know, it's so well-written and so many people can resonate that you put it out there. And I hesitated on that for about a good year or so. I shared it with some friends, some some sisterhood circles. Again, they all really resonated with it. So finally, I decided I'm always writing. I'm always writing the long Instagram captions and whatnot. Why not start my blog with this this post here? So I put it out earlier this year, and that went really well. And then I had the epiphany for the 100 dates in Houston, which we'll talk about soon. So it's just continued with that, and whatever cultural topics come up, I'll I'll throw in some commentary on the blog around that as well. Yeah, when I when I saw the title, it, it grabbed my attention, um, the angry black woman. And I, I just had this immediate thought that, like, I'm so glad that you wrote the post. We have not, as black women, been allowed to be angry. Right. And avoided that title. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm in a space in my life now where I'm taking back the right to be angry. Right, right. And only through the taking it back, and you know this through IFS, through accepting it, can we heal whatever it is that we're angry about. 
So I accepted it. I processed it through my writing. I put it out there for other people to see and not being ashamed of it. And then eventually that anger subsided. It still rises up occasionally, but it's not, I'm nowhere, I'm not in the same space that I was when I wrote it by any means. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to discuss the 100 dates in Houston. And you talk a lot about like what led you to that journey and would you kind of share with listeners about your blog and and just even your motivation with that as well? Sure. Yeah. So the 100 Dates in Houston is part of a, it's a blog series. And I am now 39 years old and I've been dating for a long time. <laughs> Marriage has always been important to me. And I share about that in the Angry Black Woman post, but it's always been important to me, but it hasn't happened yet. And for, I think, many, many reasons, you know, that I've all unpacked in therapy and coaching and all the things, uh, it's been been out of reach. And so I moved to Houston, relocated here in April of of 2023 this year and I wanted to kind of start fresh and so I as I went on a few dates when I was here when I when I got here those dates didn't go so well but I came across this uh, TikTok uh, post by the millionaire uh, Alex Hermosi talk about that in the in the blog and what he talked about was that in order to achieve any level of success volume is required so whether it be, you know, you need to have a thousand Instagram posts before you kind of go viral or someone sees your work or you need to do 10,000 squats in the gym before you start to see some gains or you need to go on. He said 500, but I'm not doing this. Uh, 500 dates before you find the person. Volume is necessary. It's sort of like the idea of you have to kiss a bunch of frogs in order to find the prince. This is nothing new, but in our Insta, you know, Instagram, you know, social media society, everything is so overnight that we think that things are supposed to happen right away. And so that post really kind of gave me a new approach to to dating since I since you know since arriving in Houston. I said, why not give myself a goal? of going on 100 dates and sharing it with, you know, my audience. And the idea is that it would help me focus more on the journey than the destination. The destination is the person, you know, finding the love of my life. But the journey, it's all about the journey. It's what you learn in the journey. It's all of those little lessons help you to help to prepare you for the destination. And so we can't bypass it. But oftentimes we you know, get to number five or number 10, whether it be dating or anything else. And we're like, oh, this wasn't it. I I should give up. No, you know, there's something to be learned and experienced and keep going. And so reading your post as it relates to meeting the right person, it was really encouraging because it reminded me that in the, in real life, things don't happen the first or second time for most of us. Right. And we do have to keep putting ourselves out there as vulnerable as it is. Mm-hmm. We got to keep going. Right. Because eventually one will be changed through the process. Right. But two will get closer to and in alignment with, with what we're looking for and what we need. And that that will change through that 100 dates. Right. For you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm I'm about 11 dates in now and I've already learned so much about myself and about my approach to dating 
even though I had gone on many dates before this, just kind of sitting back and reflecting and looking at it this way, I've learned so much that I know, you know, once that 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 out destination does come, I'm going to be a different person in a good way. Yeah. So, you know, as it relates and, you know, we talked about the the vulnerability of putting yourself out there. What have you had to remind yourself of as you date, as you continue meeting people? Are there any affirmations or things that you kind of say to yourself as you're going through this process? Hmm. Honestly, no, <laughs> I just I just keep have to keep going. And, and truly, the the blog is helping me with that because. Once I've, I've, it's kind of like scary accountability. Once I've said that I'm going to do it, I have to do it. And it also, you know, it just reminds me that you, you, you said you were trying to make it to 100. And although it has, it has already been a challenge, I won't even tell you how, how much, you know, how, how many emotions I've gone through just in these 11 dates. Uh, but I said I was going to go to 100. And so this is part of that process. Can't give up now. So that's kind of what my self-talk looks like. But there's no particular affirmation that I have. Hey, let me just say you just said just 11 dates. <laughs> yes. That is a lot of people. And that is a lot. Just so you know, it's not 11 different men. Right. So some of the it's it's a it's 100 dates total, but some of them are repeats. So mm-hmm. this is 11 dates with four different men, but even still it's connecting and yes. it's, it's, you know, building and experiencing and everything. And it has been a lot. And I'm a person that feels intensely. Uh, it's probably, I think it's part of what makes me a good therapist, obviously, and makes me a good writer. So I'm able to feel things deeply and then express it. Uh, but I feel it and then I have to go through it and deal with it. <laughs> You got to release it. Right. And thank you for that, because as I was reading your blog, everybody, if you've not read it, we're going to post the links to the blog in the show notes. So I'm reading about the beard. I'm reading about the hairline and some of the others. And I'm like, I feel about their name. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun thing. If you've ever if you've ever been in a girl chat, you might know about nicknaming the men before they earn their their name. So. Yeah. And so and then also speaking about IFS, internal family systems, right? As you're going through this process, what are some of the parts of yourself that you notice mm-hmm. being activated or, or coming up? Right. So there's definitely my little girl that desire that that has a feeling of loneliness, you know, has has carried a burden of loneliness and desires love and connection. Uh, She comes up and fortunately I have learned how to take care of her. So when I come across a suitor that is emotionally unavailable, she definitely becomes sad. Uh, And I'll be talking about that very soon with 
Mr. Hairline uh, in, in an upcoming post, but she feels sad. Uh, and so I have learned that to pay attention to her. And if she is consistently feeling let down, then I have a responsibility to let that person go because they're not able to be an appropriate secondary caretaker. You know, as we say, our partners are not our primary caretakers of our, our parts and emotions, but they do need to be able to be secondary and show up consistently. And so that part shows up often. Uh, also, I've noticed that my perfectionist, I thought she was good, but I, <laughs> I learned in the past month or so she will still come up as much work as I've done. And as much as I help my clients, this idea of I need to do it right. Um, and I need to make the right decisions, even in the just dates alone, but the process of writing and having a blog that's about real people and about my life. Uh, I, she came up with that because I wanted to make sure that I honored myself first, obviously. I wanted to honor God. I wanted to honor my parents. I wanted to honor the men and I wanted to honor the readers and I want to do it right. And at one point I got really anxious when, um, it was an episode or a post with the beard and I started to get a lot of feedback and some people were like, well, you know, how, are, how do the men feel about this? And, you know, well, what are you, you know, just, <laughs> but it, it, I, it was, there was some, everyone had just these thoughts and concerns and they thought it was really good, but it made me start to think, well, I do want to do right by the people who I'm dating. I want to make sure I don't talk about sex too much because my mom is going to be reading and this and then that. And so the, the perfectionist was really, she really kind of flared up, which I didn't expect, but it's good to know, you know, these these parts are still there and they're, they're always going to be a part. I just need to make sure that I'm aware of them and kind of take care of them. And then the last part, which I think we can call it a part. Um, are you familiar with archetypes? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I, 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 I kind of vacillate between this is an archetype of mine or a part of mine, whatever language you want to use, but I have my primary feminine archetype is the lover. And um, I just recently discovered that earlier this year, but it makes total sense. But she loves to connect. She loves to um, have good experiences and pleasurable experiences. And she's creative. You know, these are all qualities of the lover archetype. And I think she's kind of driving part of this process. Uh, but the good thing is that I'm aware of her and I also have some sage energy, which is another archetype. And that helps to balance out the lover decisions. <laughs> there you go. There is an archetype uh, quiz in one of your posts. And I want to share that in the show notes, if that's okay for, for folks, if you're unfamiliar. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That is a, uh, it's it's just something that's helpful to know. So in case people don't know, should we maybe explain what the archetypes are? Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so the archetypes are kind of these energies that that you could say people who identify as women will possess. And we look at these energies throughout the course of history. We can find it in mythology, religious texts, uh, historical texts. And it's this energy that I bring to the world. And so 
My primary archetype is the lover. So some women that represent the lover archetype would be like a Jennifer Lopez and Elizabeth Taylor, a uh, Halle Berry, women that are falling in love and feel their feelings and their emotions. Nothing wrong with that. And those women are kind of quintessential lovers where they maybe need a little bit of other energy. Um, but there's all there's about seven different primary uh, archetypes. And the idea is that when it comes to traditional womanhood, it's good to get a balance of all the archetypes, because while you need love and connection and creativity, you also need wisdom and you also need to know how to have your own space and your own endeavors, which is more of like a huntress wild woman energy. And so once you know what you what energy you lead with and there's nothing woo woo about it. It's just a way of explaining how women show up in the world and understanding how they show up in the world. Once you know what your primary archetype is, then you can kind of make decisions and kind of uh, manage your archetype in a way that's going to optimize your life. Thank you for that. Thank you. It makes me, I always reference the work of Dr. Uh, Carissa Pincola Estes, mm. uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It, it's really, to me, it feels like a connection to the divine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm going to post the the quiz in the show notes for anybody that's, that's interested in taking that. And I love how you are leading with love and respect, love and respect in terms of how you treat the man in terms of following up with them, thanking them, you know, for the date or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about your, your dating strategy and that leading with love? Yeah, so kindness, um, I'm, I'm very aware of what my values are. This is, you know, I've, I've done a lot of coaching, personal coaching, um, not as the client myself. And one of the activities that you do in coaching is uh, learning what your core values are. So if anyone doesn't know what their core values are, I definitely recommend you just go Google a list of core values and pick your top five to 10. And one that kept coming up for me was kindness. You know, kindness and kindness, we can say, is, you know, kind of an outshoot of love. And so knowing that kindness is uh, a, an important value of mine, I want to make sure that the way I approach dating honors my values. Some of my other values are, you know, adventure and fun. And so, again, that is I want to make sure that's part of my dating experiences as well. And so although these men can do things that piss me off, <laughs> you know, other way to say it, uh, or not showing up in the way that I need them to show up or whatever it might be, I still want to act kindly because that's who I am. I'm not going to shift or lower myself to meet where to, to match that energy and be where someone else is, I still want to lead with kindness. And so when it comes to things like ghosting or even just how I write about them in the blog, I, I, I try to find a way that, to write that's still interesting and honest and entertaining, but still kind and respectful. So you're not going to see me tearing down a Black man for the purpose of entertainment in my blog. But I am going to be honest about what I see, uh, what I see transpiring. You know, I started reading your blog. I'm a subscriber now, just so you know. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to read more and more and more. Um, at some point, do you see yourself maybe publishing, publishing a book? 
I would love to. I would love to. Uh, I, I have had people say they can see it as a book, but also see it as a Netflix movie, too. Yes. And so the, the story has to be written first, though. So we, we're, we're going to see whether this journey ends at date number 25 or 55. I don't know. So I realize, I, I realize I have to finish the story first and then I can transition it to a book and maybe even a movie. We'll see. This is sensationally enough to where instead of the Netflix show, uh, what is it called? Love, Love is Blonde. Mm-hmm. I wish that there was a show like that, but where Black women are censored. Mm-hmm. Black women and Black relationships, and you would be a phenomenal host. Mm-hmm. Having gone through this, you've got all the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got, you've yeah. got the credentials. You, I mean, Netflix, where you at? Call me, call me. I'm, and I've been trying to break into media for quite some time now. That's another one of my endeavors. So we're going to speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I believe it's going to happen. In terms of like your business, there's so much that you offer to the world, to your community, to your clients. There's, there's a part of, of your work where you discuss helping people with self-love and self-confidence. And before we even talk about like the work, I really would love for you to share in terms of self-love and self-confidence, what were some of your early struggles with that? And and how did you find your own way through like embodying that self-love and self-confidence? Right, right. So self-love can mean so many different things. And we kind of toss the term around loosely. For me, self-love meant more self-compassion. I never thought that I was worthless, but I did feel like I need, I had to show up a certain kind of way. And so we didn't share this yet, but uh, I was Miss New Jersey in 2009. And so uh, there, that the pageant stage in the beauty world, that is the epitome of perfection. You have to present yourself in a in a certain way in order to be on that platform, maintain that platform. And even the fact that I wanted to be a part of that system was an indicator of kind of that, you know, perfectionism uh, and, and where it kind of a reflection of where I stood in terms of my self-compassion. And so for me, self-love was learning to accept my flaws and not be so hard on myself to give myself room to make mistakes and to show up and to be human. A lot of that also came from my background growing up in the church and I'm, you know, still part of the church, but my understanding of what it means to be a Christian has completely changed. I kind of thought that I had to earn God's grace through being good. And I guess you could say there's like a shame, there's a shame wound there, shame burden there. And now I understand that that kind of defeats the whole process, the whole idea of grace. Grace is like, I'm loving you in spite of the fact that you're imperfect and, and that's okay. And so I, it, for me, it's, it's that self-compassion. And then, you know, confidence is something that's built through experience and through repetition 
and through also how we how we talk to ourselves and how others talk to us. And you can be confident in one area and not confident in another. And but now I've learned and I've kind of built some rapport in myself to say I whenever I want to do something, I do it. And um, just through <laughs> through doing the hard things and constantly showing up for myself, that that uh, confidence has been built. I do unusual things. You know, I just wrapped up a year and a half as a digital nomad. That was scary, but that was a lifetime dream of mine. I, I didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. I definitely had anxiety throughout the process, but I wanted to do it. And now, again, that's another thing that has built my confidence because I consistently show up for myself. So there's a number of components to self-love and to confidence that I kind of impl- have implemented myself and that I help my clients to implement. Hey, what is a digital nomad? What is that? Oh, a digital nomad is a person who works virtually. So, you know, throughout the pandemic, we were able to work, uh, you know, from home. So I transitioned my practice from an office to 100% virtual. And I traveled to different countries as a nomad living. I lived, you know, one place for a few months and the next place for a few months and on and on. So I started in Panama and then uh, came back to the States and experimented with Houston, went to Dominican Republic, Ghana, Italy, Paris, a number of places and um, living and working there for a year and a half. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Also, some of the work that 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 you do is working with with people and helping them to to become more assertive in their own communication. Um, you know, what is your earliest recollection of finding your own voice? So truthfully, I hadn't truly found my voice until the past three or four years, as crazy as that might be. Uh, and, and, and if you would have asked me 10 years ago, five, six years ago, was I a good communicator? I would have said yes. But I didn't realize how much I didn't say because I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable. I didn't want to hurt feelings, all of those things. And so I went through a coaching program. And as you can see, I'm a big, I'm a proponent of therapy, but I'm also a proponent of coaching. And we can talk about the difference between the two if you like. But I went through a coaching program and I learned in that program how much I didn't say and how much I wasn't speaking my mind. And so from there, I started to learn what was the first cue that I needed to say something. And it's always in the body. Like your body will tell you when you need to set a boundary, when you need to express something, your body will tell you. And so once I started to realize, oh, there's tension here. Maybe I'm about to agree to something that I don't need to agree to, or, or I'm about to you know, suppress something that I need to express. So once I started tuning into my body, and then and then getting clear on why I felt that way. And that that led the, that kind of started the process of me speaking more uh, honestly and authentically. And then I came across the book Nonviolent Communication. I actually would like to uh, kind of do some training in that. But that book is an excellent tool for being able to identify your feelings and then communicate your feelings and your needs and your thoughts in a way that's nonviolent. Uh, I, I think it's a, it looks a lot like parts work, you know, speaking for your parts versus from your parts. So between learning IFS, coaching, 
nonviolent communication, I picked up the skills myself. And, you know, as many of us kind of healers do, we then go and we start to share that with uh, our clients. That book, the nonviolent communication book, it's been uh, Amazon shopping cart forever. <laughs> then I just moved it to like save, save for later. Cause I'm like, I don't want, why am I delaying getting this book? But now you're making me want to go get it because you so I'm like, okay, maybe I do need to get it. It's really good. And I definitely resonate with you. My parts resonate with you. I thought for my whole life I was a good communicator. And not so much. Because <laughs> I often really feared what are people gonna think? What are they gonna say? And I didn't always say what I what I meant unless I was angry. Unless I was right. angry. Right. Not could express. <laughs> right. But, you know, you say, you know, you didn't learn that till three or four years ago. And I would say I'm 44. I didn't really find start finding my true voice until my mid 30s. Mm. OK, so about that, about the same time. Yeah, mm -hmm. about the same time. Yeah, maybe there's a click that happens around 35 or so. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to say, too, about the nonviolent communication, the way we communicate, it matters in terms of not just ourselves, but in terms of main maintaining healthy relationships. Oftentimes we swing between healthy or, or passive to aggressive, you know, we're either not saying anything or we're saying whatever we need to say with so much edge and so much aggression that it destroys the relationship. And I know, and I'll just be honest, I think for black women, because of what we have been through, there's a many of us that aren't afraid to say what we have to say. And we say, well, I'm just going to say what's on my mind. I'm just speaking my mind. I'm just being real. But you being real does not justify you hurting another person um, in a way that's disrespectful. And so we have to find a way to say what is our truth, but to do that in a way that honors yourself and honors the other person. So it helps with that. <laughs> Ma'am, speak on it. <laughs> In our history as Black women, we went from one extreme, of course, way prior to the civil rights movement, of, of having to be passive, right. having to be compliant, not having a voice, not having rights, not being able to speak up at all for ourselves, right. for our children, for anybody, mm -hmm. to let's you know look at like the 70s, Black is Beautiful, and all of the beautiful black representations that existed to, you know, speak your speak your mind, and it's right. and not all like you said it 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 can be, it can be aggressive, it can be hard, it can be brutal, right? And and now learning the balance and that we actually can speak in love and we can speak honestly without rupturing, without ruining, right. you know, and and all of that, and so. Exactly, exactly. And it's not, and I want to clarify, it's not about, for me, it's not about not being aggressive, because truthfully, sometimes you have to be aggressive in life, right? Sometimes you have to put in your masculine energy and do what needs to be done, fight, whatever it might be, yes. right? But if you want to preserve your relationships, if, if it's a relationship that is important to you, if it's a work relationship, it's a romantic, it's a friendship, 
you need to be able to say what you have to say in a way that is going to honor that relationship. That's how you get what you want. You can't lead with aggression and get what you want at the same time. Mm. If you could speak about the Confidence Project and if you could speak about Welcome to the Couch. So the Confidence Project Journal, 52 journal prompts to uncover uh, personal strength and stop self-doubt. That is my journal that I published in 2021. And so it's 52 journal prompts. It's a guided journal for women that want to uh, work on their confidence, that want to become more self-aware of what are all of the things that are within them that they can love and honor and be confident about. So it's really about helping to bring out that confidence through the tool of journaling. Uh, as I've said, I believe that journaling is a powerful tool for self-awareness. It's something that I've been doing since I was a child as a way of helping me kind of process and make sense of everything that goes on inside my head. So I wanted to make that tool available for women. And I have a, a, a special edition kind of um version of the Confidence Project Journal. So it's a beautiful hardback. It has gold mat and foiling, and it also will come with a uh, gold bookmark that says the most beautiful thing a woman can wear is confidence. And it comes with a pin and specialty packaging and a self-love playlist. So I wanted to really make it an experience. That's the lover in me coming out. We want to have this pleasant experience as we're journaling. So that is uh, the confidence project. And then we have welcome to the couch, a beginner's guide to therapy. So this was my first kind of publication and ebook that I put on uh, Amazon. And the idea is just to answer very basic questions about therapy. You know, how do I go about choosing the best therapist? What are some websites and resources that I can go to to learn more about, you know, a particular segment of mental health? What questions do I ask my therapist? How, you know, how do I go, go about the process? So a lot of those initial questions that people have that they might not know where to ask them, this book answers those questions. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, uh, like I said, you can go to Kaidi's website um, for those. And this want to ask you something that's unrelated. What is inspiring you right, right, right now? And what I mean by that is what music or book or or celebrity or or any, you know, anything, what is kind of inspiring you right now? And the first thing that came to mind mind. This might sound cliche, but this is just where I'm at right now. I guess it's with the 100 dates. Russell Wilson and Sierra are really inspiring me right now because one, if when I look at Sierra, she is, I think she's the epitome, epitome, epitome of kindness and grace. Uh, I saw her recently do an interview and she said five things she's learned about kind of having a good and healthy life. And she said, you got to give grace. You got to forgive. You got to serve. Uh, and just some of those things I think are really important to womanhood. And if you look at it, and of course, this is outside looking in. We don't know what really happens. But when you look at her and Russell interact with each other, they look like they really love and love and treat each other with kindness. And what I like about him this was something that I recently kind of wrestled with in my 100 dates is he is a Christian man, but he allows her to be her and doesn't try to censor her or make her show up in a certain way because of some idea of submission or modesty or whatever. 
And I like to say I'm a pseudo feminist and I want to do what I want to do, what I need to do. Uh, and finding a Christian man that's going to allow me to be that, uh, you know, I've been told that will be a challenge, but I'm going to believe it's possible. And I see Russell and Sierra doing it all the time. So they are my inspiration right now. Oh, I love that. And and their love really is inspirational. Mm-hmm. Aspiration, like wow, you can sh- you can see the respect, right, between the two of them. You can mm-hmm. see the way that he just shows up um, for her and for the children. At least you know, again, we're outsiders looking in, but right, but the representation honestly is what we need. That imagery matters, right? And you know, that's one thing that I tell a lot of my clients that are struggling to believe certain things about love and men, black men. We have to have images that show us that what we want is there because so often we see what we don't want and that creates our reality of what love and relationships are. And so the same way when you buy a new car and then all of a sudden you start to see that car make and model on the road all the time, whatever you believe of relationships is what you're going to see and experience and pay attention to. So I choose to follow them and to kind of have that representation of what a relationship can look like for a Black woman and a, I guess he's Black, Black man. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's inspiring to me. Yeah. And where can listeners, where can they find you? They can find me on my website, Heidi, K-I-T-Y, B, Rodriguez. Uh, And I'm the same on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Heidi B. Rodriguez. But it's HeidiBRodriguez.com. Thank you. Thank you. Um, This conversation has really, um, I don't know, it's really touched my heart. Um, I've loved it. And... I'm just really excited for everything that you're going to do. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you for the platform and for the opportunity. It has been a real pleasure for me, too. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.